Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. Today I am joined by ESPN's Michelle Beisner Buck and Tori Zawacki Roy. Michelle works in front of the camera, Tori works behind the camera. They give valuable insight and advice on doing both of these positions and what makes them so successful. They also talk a lot about balance, balancing career, balancing motherhood. And can we ever have truly 100% balance? They give wonderful insight on that as well. They also both have fantastic life mottos that you don't want to miss. I want to thank our sponsors, Axios and Untuck It. And with that, let's get to it, fangirls. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tori and Michelle. This is the first Get My Job that has two guests at a time, so I'm very excited to talk to you both and just excited to talk to you both because you're both incredible women in sports and I know we are going to learn a lot from you today. So welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So uh, my first question is how long have you guys been working together? Oh, that's a good question, Tori. We've been working together for, I guess, yeah, yeah, five for sure, maybe six. Okay. Yeah. I would say around there. And was it, was it career love at first sight? Oh, for absolutely. me it was. <laughs> I remember Michelle, and I don't exactly. know if I told you this, but it was we were doing an interview with uh, we were in Denver, and we were doing an interview with Akib Talib, and I remember Michelle walking into the room. We had about a half hour to go before the interview, and she just came in, and I, you know, I just like I took my hand, like here, put my hand out, like kind of dorky, and she just goes, "No, come here," and just gave me this like warm hug, and I was just like, you know what, this this is a girl I want to work with. Like, it was just this, this energy that filled the room when Michelle came in that I was like, this is going to be a good shoot. And it, it went incredibly well, actually, didn't it? I, I think it went pretty well. I think everything we do goes extremely well, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are off to an excellent start here today. <laughs> I think that is. True. Yeah, exactly. It's just a love fest. It's a gigantic love fest. Pretty much. So you guys work obviously on, I don't want to say opposite ends, but Tori, you're behind the camera. Uh, Michelle, you're in front of the camera. So I want to mm-hmm. talk to both of you about different challenges you each have faced in those different areas. Michelle, I will start with you. Can you talk a little bit about a rejection or criticism you got early on in your career that, though very difficult at the time, really helped to shape who you are today? Uh, I can talk about several, but one that (laughs) comes to mind just right off the bat, I remember when I was a general field reporter at NFL Network, and I was, I had just gotten, it was September, it was probably the third week in September, and I was doing game coverage, it was the Washington Redskins, Um, I don't know who they were playing, but they were at home, and my first hit of the day on that Sunday morning, because our shows started so early in the morning, 
uh, I think it was at I don't know, five, 6 a.m. Eastern. And there were, I mean, it was, it was still dark outside. I mean, there was nothing going on. I was essentially doing this hit from a parking lot, a dark parking lot that we had to light up with, you know, our own equipment. And I got done with my report and I talked about just the upcoming game and what we can expect from both teams. And I got a call and I will actually say his name because I don't have a problem with him ever finding out that, I mean, he said it. So Bob Eaton, who used to be at ESPN and then went over to NFL Network as a consultant, called me um, and said, I want to talk to you when you get back from the game. So I go in and I sit with him when I got back from covering this game. And he sat me down at his office and he looked me in the eyes and he said, I just want you to know that you are the worst reporter in our bureau. And I said, wow, um, okay, uh, why is that? And, you know, if I'm the worst reporter, there's got to be a damn good reason why. And he said, well, you don't talk, you didn't talk about the weather, but I didn't talk about the weather. The weather, okay. Well, um, it was five in the morning. There was no weather to talk about. And, you know, we had, it, it was just, it was such an odd moment for me because everything in this business, it, oh, it, it's tough, right? Everyone has an opinion, everyone. And the criticism I don't think was um, fair or justified or didn't, it didn't even make sense. But I remember sitting in that moment and going, okay, this is like a, this is a teaching moment for you because you have someone here who has been in this business for 25, 30 years and is respected around the league by many networks and plenty of top executives in the NFL. And he just told you the worst reporter in the bureau because you didn't talk about weather off the top of your report. How can you, how can you make this better? So I, I thanked him for being so candid with his thoughts. By the way, this is the first time that I'd ever met him. Oh, wow. And I said, okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you what you want next time. And I did. And I, um, and I, and I guess, I guess the point is, is that even though I, I didn't think he was, it was, it was fair or it was, I guess it was just extreme, the criticism. I, it also like, it also drove me that, that has always stuck with me because I wasn't the worst reporter. It's not, not like I, I gave misinformation or called players by the wrong names or had the game covered wrong or didn't talk about an interview that I actually did, but everyone has an opinion. And I think that you just have to, I had to take a moment and go, I know what I'm good at. I'm going to continue to do that and hone my craft, but I'm going to give him what he wants because this is someone that has influence and you have to be able to kind of ride that, you know, right. There's like a balance and you have to be able to kind of listen to what you should listen to and forget about the stuff that you shouldn't and just play the game a little bit. And I, I kid you not, when I switched over to ESPN, he sent me an email and said, your work at ESPN has been tremendous. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm proud of you. And it was just a really, I don't know, you know, I mean, but yeah, that's it. I, I just, you know, people will, people have opinions and they will voice them and you have to kind of, Take it as a teaching moment. I carried that with me for a long time, and I think it's just always allowed me to stick to what I know I'm good at and really listen to the things that are important, but kind of let certain things go in one ear and out the other. So Tori is a producer. Let's say you have 
a talent that you're working with and you're going to do a feature with, mm -hmm. and they get a call like that, and the person says to them on the call, you're the worst reporter we have. And now they have to go live in 30 seconds. How do you work with your talent and kind of help ground them and, and get them to where they need to be to focus? Yeah. And, you know, it, it happens not that exact scenario, but, you know, Michelle and I can speak to this. It does happen in, in certain ways where something rattles you, where it's it's the worst timing and you, what I always try and say to myself first and then, you know, relay it to who I'm working with is, hey, let's just get done what we need to get done. Let's focus on what's in front of us. And that's all you can do. It, it's hard, but it's it kind of sucks to say, but we're, we get used to it, you know, and that's part of one live TV. And then two, just kind of like Michelle said, like it is so subjective where we work and we understand that and know it now that while you have that kind of fire when you first hear something like that you have to move on and say let's get through this hit let's kill it and then we can talk about this later and that's what we've had to learn to do and we do it really well at this point I would say I would, so also imagine, <laughs> I would imagine getting that call that says I'd like to talk to you after you're done I think we'd all rather just get that call when we were done so then we're not thinking about it right. the entire time that you're trying to cover a game. Exactly. <laughs> That's just torturous. Like, hey, I just saw your report. I need to meet with you as soon as you're, oh, okay. You you just go into like straight panic mode the entire time and your brain won't stop doing, you know, gymnastics, trying to figure out what you did wrong. It's like a big mind game. It is. Just generally in life, don't ever say yeah, I need exactly. to talk to you. Just talk to the person. Just generally good life right. advice. Just talk to the person. Um, I agree. So, Tori, you're a former athlete. And so when you're doing your coverage, how do you think that helps give you perspective on the people that you're covering? And when you're cutting features? I think it's a big advantage, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, playing tennis, obviously, it wasn't a team sport, but you're still surrounded by other great athletes throughout your career, right? So even though I was surrounded by tennis players, like I get to, you know, Duke University where I'm surrounded by, you know, with especially the basketball team, the pretty high profile athletes at the time. And I never saw it that way. I saw them as my friends, um, you know, people that I spent a lot of time with, and I, it never phased me, you know, and, and you see a lot of fans of Duke or fans of other, you know, big athletic schools that they kind of have this worship-like behavior towards some of the athletes, which, you know, I get, like, that's kind of the big draw of the school, but for me, it was never the case. And I think coming into ESPN, working with, at first, a lot of high-profile anchors, high-profile analysts, it, I don't think I ever walked by someone that was just like, you know, oh my gosh, because that's, they're there to do their job too, right? Like we're all colleagues and that's kind of the attitude that I was able to bring with me. And it's, it's the same thing when we go on shoots now for features where, they have a big sit down with, you know, Tom Brady or big name athletes. Like it's just, they want to be treated the same way that you would treat whoever your neighbor is, you know, like, oh, hey, good to see you. And I think that goes a long way, especially with making athletes feel comfortable when they're sitting in an interview where there's the cameras and lights. And it's, it's a lot to, to have them sit down and be comfortable. And that's the first thing I like to try and do is just be like, hey, good to see you, you know, and that goes from my days as an athlete, which I'm really thankful for. And speaking of being comfortable, Michelle, you've obviously transitioned to doing a lot of really incredible features. Some of the stories are very difficult just because there's been tragedy involved or it's it's some, a time when an athlete is going through a really hard time and you do such a wonderful job of talking to athletes and bringing the best out of them. 
What is advice you could give to somebody who is going to do those features? Because it's obviously very different doing a sit down or being a sideline reporter. And there are so many aspects of this. What do you think the key is that you're able to make people feel so comfortable and open when talking to you? I think you have to genuinely care. You have to really dive in from start to finish. I know it's, it's always interesting to me. There are other reporters at different networks that I love that are good friends of mine. And the way that they do features is a little bit different than the way that we do ours. It is a, and I'll just speak to the features that Tori and I have done together, but it is a collaborative effort from point A to point Z. So from pitching ideas, it's got to be first and foremost, a story that you find has a good either lesson in it, um, kind of like a highs and lows of life or something that's fun that will bring entertainment value to the TV. You know, I think the biggest thing when we do these stories, it's like you want to be able to relate to these guys, right? Like when you take off their helmets, when you take off the uniform, they're just guys just like we are. Kind of like what Tori was saying. And they have, they have real problems and real issues that they face. And when I sit down with Devin Still, who I sat down with, Five years ago for the first time, his daughter, Leah Still, had stage four neuroblastoma cancer, and he was so emotional in that interview. You know, I don't sit in front of him and go, okay, I have 10 questions to ask you. Let's rattle through them, and great, I got to go, and then I move on to the next one. I, I do my research, and I write my questions based on how I would have a conversation with that person if he were just my friend. I look at everyone that I sit across from as someone that I truly care about, you know, and if you are not committed to really caring about the person that you are interviewing, you're not going to get the best out of them. And you shouldn't, and that, and, and you shouldn't do it. You know, I mean, if you, anyone that wants to do real long format essay style feature work, they've got to care and be committed about the entire process from researching to writing to engaging, to editing, to bringing it full circle and leading in and tagging out of the piece. It's really important. You know, I, I have a rapport with so many of these people now and stay in touch with them because I really do root for them and I really do care for them. And I really do embrace like their highs and lows in their journey. And I, and I, 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 I mean that, and I do hope that comes through. I would think it absolutely does come through, and I think that's really good advice and insight for um, our listeners who want to do those kinds of stories because they are they are different kinds of stories, and I think that was important advice. Tori, I'd like to ask you that was excellent advice from Michelle. Tori, what is maybe the number one mistake you see women making who want to get into the sports industry. And you know what? It may not just be women. Men may be making the exact same mistake. So what is, uh, and maybe there's not just one, but what is something that you find kind of glaring that you're seeing a lot that you would like people to avoid? Yeah, no, and it's not, I don't know if it's avoiding. It's just, I think the mindset for some reason is, for a lot of people, it has to be this way and it has to be step A, step B, step C. I'm going to go to undergrad and then I'm going to go to journalism school. I'm going to get my master's and then I'm going to get a job. To me, and maybe it's, you know, my personal experience, which, you know, I can obviously speak off and what I, why I feel so passionately about it is I have, I get a lot of messages, you know, from up and coming women, a lot of women who want to be journalists that are 
stressed out about getting their master's um, in journalism. And to me, I think that's great. And I think that's incredibly ambitious, but I, I also wouldn't worry about it um, if that, if that makes sense, because there's so much experience out there and there's so much stuff that you can do even without going getting your master's and stressing about it, you know? And I think a lot of colleges, you're surrounded by so many other people that are super ambitious. I certainly felt that way at Duke. I was around some of the smartest people on the planet. And <laughs> to me, I was just like, you know, here's what I want to do though. I'm passionate about what I want to do. And because I don't feel the need to go get my master's, like it almost makes you feel, I don't know, it's almost a degrading feeling, but I was out getting experience. I was getting my, I was majoring in history and English. I was working on my writing. And that's the message I would want to relay first is there are so many other things that can be advantageous to you if you want to work in journalism, work on your writing, work on public speaking, take public speaking classes. Those are things that, yeah, you can get your master's on, you know, the, the old school ways of journalism and, you know, the, the right way to do things. But also when you go out in the field, how are you going to perform? And if you can do that right off the bat, if you can just write a script, if you can nail an interview with not a lot of experience that that is going to take you way further so that's that's the number one thing i like to say that to people that are stressing out about you know the next step of their education like if that's what you really want to do you should absolutely do it but if you really just want to dive in like follow that you know and there's so many great ways to do that the holidays are almost here and you know what that means gifts and what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size, so he looks casual and sharp. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they aren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untucked. The original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free.
sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again to try, $3.99 at sports.axios.com. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, you're both working moms. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that, and then I want to get a day in the life from each of you. So let's start with the the working mom part of the discussion, because I think that's something that's just really important in our society today, and there is this pressure of doing it all, and I think you can't do it all all the time. So I'd love your thoughts on that. Michelle, you've been really open about how it takes a village for you and your husband, Joe Buck. You both work a lot. I mean, Joe seems to cover every game ever and do it unbelievably well. And you do these incredible features that I know take so much time and energy and effort and you have twin boys. So can you talk a little bit about how you do navigate balancing everything? And is there such a thing as true balance all the time? Mm, no, there's definitely not. And I'm finding that out. You know, I am such, and I think, I think Tori's the same way. I think a lot of women that are career driven are type A personalities and are a bit of, you know, I, I know that I personally, I'm a bit of a control freak. And um, so I, you know, it, it does take a village and we have got good people and family around us to help. And there's just no other way to do it. And you know, I remember when I had my twin boys who are a year and a half old now, and it's getting, it's such a fun age right now. And I remember when I first had them and I would get these messages on Instagram, like, oh, this is when they were first born, right? And I'm posting pictures and I would get messages from people that I didn't know, but I have a public account. Things like, oh, we're going to miss you at ESPN. We loved your stories. It's too bad that you're, you know, you're not going to be there. Uh, <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> who said I was ever leaving? I mean. That it was amazing to me how many people, even even some people that I work with, like, oh, so you're not going to work anymore, right? No, 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 no. Mama's going to work. Mama has to work. This is it's important for me to have a career. It's important for me to be able to show my kids some of my stories that that can live forever. It's important for me because I've worked so hard to get to where I am to be able to continue to do that. But it's also important for me to realize that. I can't do it all. Like we need help, especially October. To your point, Tracy, I mean, October is such a beast in our house. Joe does the World Series. He does the ALCS, the World Series. He does Thursday night football and some Sundays. And I do these Monday night features that take me away and on the road for, I don't know, two to three days a week. And then I'm editing and working on it another one to three days, depending on, you know, what it is. And then I wrap around these features, you know, not every game, but a lot of the games. It's, you just, you have to be okay with saying, I can't do it all and pass the baton to someone you trust that can help you. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's really, really gnarly. <laughs> right, Tori? I mean, it's crazy. No, you hit it right. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's just you have to be okay with asking for help or saying no, which guess what? We're allowed to say no, right? Like <laughs> we're allowed. Yeah. We just, Are we? we? Jump into that mindset. Yeah. And it's just like, wait, wait, no, I, I can't do this, you know, and it's okay because that's our right. 
That, right. And that's, I think, a very right. difficult thing for women. It's very hard for yep. us to say no. And I think in mm-hmm. some ways it's been unfair to put this pressure on us that we can do it all. Everybody needs help. Everything's a balance. Um, so I appreciate you both talking about that. Tori, I think you were going to say more about the saying no, because I think that is an important thing to drive home. Yeah, um, it's it's just it's a mindset that, again, like Michelle said, we're just not you have to get used to having because in the beginning you start not just sports media, but in media in general, you just, yep, I'll do whatever you guys need. Like I'm a hard worker and I'll prove to you that. And that's, that's kind of what you start with. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't go, unfortunately, <laughs> um, <laughs> until your mindset changes with a child and y- you are finally like thinking for yourself and for someone else. Whereas it was just always the job. So it's just like, well, no, 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 wait, that's not going to be best for my child if I'm gone for 24 hours and I'm on a plane and I don't know if I can get childcare. And so, no, like, you know, I, I get a lot mm-hmm. of requests, especially during football season, that it's just like, hey, we got we got to get this piece and we need you on a plane in eight hours. And, you know, I have to say, look, guys, I, I can't. I, I have to be home, you know, and you would never say that a couple of years ago, right? Like, yep, I got it, you guys. I'll be there, whatever you need. And now suddenly, but it's okay. And, like, there's some satisfaction to it where it's just like, well, no, because this is not my life right now. Um, and that's really, really difficult. And it, I think – Michelle and I have been proud of ourselves that we can get to that point and feel good about it and know it's it's the right thing because it is the right thing. But it, it just takes so long because we worked so hard to get here that, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we just, you have to figure it out. You have to be okay with it. And I think we finally are. How do you lean on Absolutely. each other when making those decisions? Oh, <laughs> we have many, many, um, you should see our text threads and there have been plenty <laughs> yeah, of phone calls. I, I mean, yeah. I we we truly I, I think more so than anyone at ESPN I have bonded with Tori and yeah. we you know just because we work so well together I love her respect her admire her as both professionally and personally and now we're on this like same path I mean I'm a little bit older than she is but we both are <laughs> new moms and we're both trying to do our best work and it's it's it just you you need to be able to talk to someone that's in that's mm-hmm. right in the same boat as you are. So and it varies. Um, know, she and I going to get dinner. Yeah, yeah. It varies yeah. from you and I just I'll legit ask you like, hey, so how did you recover from this part of being pregnant? To just a quick text or us going out for dinner after a shoot and really talking things through. Like we have we've done every possible way and we just know that we can hit each other up with anything and you know we'll, we're there for each other. Yeah. Well, we are talking, it, it, we are, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Michelle. No, 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 you're fine. I was just going to say it's, it's a special, it's a special friendship. It's, I'm, I'm lucky. I really am. No, that's I'm wonderful. lucky. <laughs> I think that's important. I think it's really important, especially at work, but to have someone who understands what you're going through professionally and personally, I think is really important. And um, you guys are very lucky. So there's a piece of advice for people. Don't be competitive at work. Be friends with your coworkers. <laughs> Support yeah, each other. Build each other up. We are stronger together, all of us. So, Michelle, we are talking yeah, to you on. We are talking to you on a Monday. This will first air on a Thursday, but we're talking to you on a Monday. Uh, you are getting ready to head on out for a story you're doing on Monday Night Football. Can you give us a day in the life of Michelle Beisner Buck? It could be a, a normal day. It could be a Monday, but. Would kind of love to get an idea of, of what your days look like. Okay, let's see. Um, well, now with my boys, so they get up 
around seven. And my favorite part of the day is being able to go into their room and wake them up. And I'm lucky. It's rare that they wake up unhappy. They're always you know, smiling and laughing and clapping. And, you know, now they're talking, which is so much fun. We do, um, we do do a little breakfast. We do a little playtime. Um, usually I like to get them outside as much as we can, weather permitting. Um, I, you know, I just, I really, my husband and I, especially like, we're just pretty silly. And I think that we enjoy just being at home with our kids. Like when we're home, we're just home. And we, we dance and we sing and we make up songs and we goof around and we're just kind of, you know, I don't know. We're, we're funny and stupid together. <laughs> um, and then I, I, I like to work out. Um, I try to work out five times a week and I try to get that in, but you know, typically during the football season, I'm, I'm juggling quite a bit because I've got to take care of the boys. And when you've got two, sometimes it feels like you have 10 and, and, <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've got that, and then it, depending on what day it is, let's say it's a Wednesday, there's a very good chance that I'm going through and I'm helping, um, I'm reading through transcripts and you know kind of like condensing them into shorter convos and bites that we can pull out and use for the piece, or we're I'm collaborating with whoever the producer it is. Hopefully it's Tori. She's she's always my face pick. Um, but we're I am on kind of a show. <laughs> and now you did. And then if it's, if it's the boys go down about 7.30 and if Joe and I are, are magically home at the same time, really, we like to either, we like to have dinner and sit on the couch and have a glass of wine and watch Dateline or Chernobyl or like Netflix, you know, we, we'd like to binge watch shows. Um, that's about it, you know, I mean, we're, we like, we're homebodies when we're home. I think it's because we're never home. Um, a day on the road when we, when I've got a feature, I mean, it's, it's get up and go depending, you know, and like Tori said, like my flights now, it's not about the best time for me to go. It's about the best time for my kids. So mm -hmm. I'm taking much later flights uh, that normally I would, you know, before I was like, Oh, let me take this cushy two o'clock flight and I can land at four and I can go to a soul cycle class at six. And then I can have dinner and do my research and it's not like that now it's like okay the boys go down at 7 30 i could take a 9 p.m flight i'll get to the hotel by midnight we'll get up we'll get our shoot done i'll come home when normally i would probably stay over another night depending on where i am i'll come home i'll take a red eye if i have to it just changes because you've got a lot more to balance now that's that's interesting that's intense and it's but it's what you have to do and so i I liked hearing that. And I just, it, I think it's helpful for people to know, you know, what goes on. It's a lot of hard work that goes into this business and it's a lot of hard work to be a mom and work in this business. So I think that's very helpful for everyone. Michelle, I want to do five fun facts with you right now, because I know just as we were saying, timing is not always yours. Uh, you have to go soon for um, Monday Night Football. So I want to do five fun facts with you in case you have to jump off. And then, Tori, I want to talk about a day in your life, and I'm going to actually do That's six great. fun facts with you. So get excited about that. Okay. Um, so, Michelle, we'll just run through these. What is your favorite moment okay. in sports? Oh, uh, well, so – I was, I'm, I'm a huge Broncos fan. I'm a huge Vikings fan. Um, I will never forget years ago, a million years ago, I was an NFL cheerleader for the Denver Broncos. I was a cheerleader from 1997 to 2003. 
And my first year on the team, the Broncos went to and won their first Super Bowl, Super Bowl 32, against the Green Bay Packers in San Diego. And I will never forget that just being on the field, that game, those moments, um, you know, John Elway basically helicoptering into the end zone. It was just such an improbable win and was so long overdue and just such a special, special moment for me to be able to, I mean, actually be a part of on the sidelines. Um, that's probably my favorite moment in sports. That's a good one. I think that. I yeah. think that's a good one. What would you say your life motto is? My life motto, um, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Oh, that's fantastic. That is there so good. That is, that is Applicable really, really across good. across the board. That's yes. Right. Oh, that's so good. What is your go-to workout? You mentioned SoulCycle, but what is your go-to? Yeah, I wish in, where I live in St. Louis now, we don't have SoulCycle, but that is my go-to whenever I'm traveling. I mean, I... I seek out a soul cycle wherever I can find one. Um, I have a Peloton at home. I'm really big into the indoor cycling thing right now. And I also, I, I lift weights. And if I can find a dance class because I am a, a former dancer and I'm still a dancer, I mean, that's, that's where I want to be in a dance class, taking a hip hop class somewhere. So we'll use this as an opportunity to ask soul cycle to please get going on opening one. Please. Hello. This yes. is a shameless plug to soul cycle. Please open in St. Louis. Thank you. Thank you're welcome. Crazy. <laughs> you're welcome. Here, guys, I'm here to help. As I said, we're better together. Let's support each other. That's right. Um, yes. <laughs> even with Soul Cycle, and I do like Soul Cycle too, so I get it. Uh, what is your go-to coffee or tea order? I have found on this podcast not everyone drinks coffee, which is anomaly to me, but not everyone does. Yeah. So I have, and since I had my kids, Tori, maybe you can relate. I find that I will make three like cups of coffee and I'll end up having two sips out of each cup because <laughs> you just, you're running around like chasing kids yep. and getting breakfast ready and changing them and doing whatever. And so I'll make, I'm really just big on regular coffee with some honey and some cream. And, but I honey. go through about three different cups and I have about three sips out of each cup of coffee. Uh, yeah. Honey is the jam in my, in coffee. You have to try it. It's really good. Oh, I will be trying it. ASAP and I will send you a note. <laughs> You'll be getting it too. I will I'll be trying it later today. And last but not Perfect. least, what is a book every woman should read? Um gosh. Uh I, you know, this is not going to be women specific, but my I love The Alchemist. I could read it over and over and over and I think it's just a good book to go back to and because it's got such great kind of teaching moments in there and, and just a bigger picture lesson about life. Um, that's, that's kind of my go-to is the alchemist. It's a great book. I think it's a, it's a good, it is. I also, uh, my, my personal favorite, this is the thing too. This is actually really sad. I feel like I read more just like daily clips during the NFL season than I actually get to sit down and read. I'm not a very uh -huh. good reader for pleasure. Um, but my husband and I, my husband reads more than I do. My husband and I have a favorite book in common, which is A Prayer for Owen Meany. Has anyone read it? You need to. I have not. But no, tell me about that. A, say, yeah. say it one a more prayer time. For a, prayer. Owen, a Prayer for Owen Meany. Okay. There you go. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let you guys check it out. 
Ooh, okay. see, that's teasing Tracy. She's teasing. That's, see, she knows. That's, that's, that's a tease. <laughs> but that, this is how we know and how good she note, is at her job. <laughs> that's right. And on that note, I'm going to the Meadowlands. I have to jump off. All right. We will miss you. Have fun Go at the Meadowlands. I can't wait to watch the feature. Um, I'm now not going to let Tori off the hook, though. I'm still going to make her tell me a day in the life and these six fun facts I have for her. Uh, have a great day, Michelle. Yeah, Thank good. you so much. Thanks, you guys. Bye, Tori. Love you. Bye, girl. Thanks, love you. Tracy. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Tori. I would love to still know. Still here. You still got me, Tracy. <laughs> I still have you for a few more minutes, which I'm very excited about. And I, I think it. I want to know a day in the life because, as I said before, you have Michelle in front of the camera and you behind the camera. Yeah. And one of the things we really are highlighting on this podcast is there are so many different jobs in sports and so many different careers. So I want people to understand right. all that goes into right. it. So I would love to hear from you what a day in your life is like. No, and, and, you know, before I give you that quickly, I just, I forgot to mention earlier, like what you just said, there's so many jobs in sports that I think, and this isn't a mistake by any means, but I, I think it's very close-minded of a lot of people that are asking me for advice coming, coming up, you know, up and coming kids is that they think it has to be just the sideline reporter, right? Oh, I want to be a sideline reporter. I want to be a sideline reporter because it is, it is, it does look glamorous, right? And it, and it is, parts of it are, but there's, you know, that's just like, scratching the surface of what you can do in sports, especially for women. Like we, we need smart women behind the scenes writing. We need smart women behind the scenes calling the shots. So that's another thing I, I wanted to mention is just, you know, think of everything that you could, that you could want to do and, and not just think because, Oh, this is the coolest looking job. No, there's a lot of, my job is really cool. You know, uh, mm -hmm. just, you know, not front facing. So um, that's something I wanted to, to reiterate as well, but a day in the life for me is it just depends on what day it is, um, which I, I think that's what Michelle was, was getting at as well. But um, it could be, you know, I have to make a flight at 5.30 a.m. in order to be able to spend more time with my son. You know, like say if I have to do a interview in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I'll take a 5.30 flight, you know, feed my son before I leave. He's seven months old, so he's still kind of in okay. that figuring out how to sleep phase. Um, try and feed him before I leave, you know go to Green Bay, work either with a reporter or I sometimes have to do the interview if a reporter isn't available, which, you know, is obviously fine. Um, do an interview, get on a flight back. And in some cases, you know, I'll be sitting in, this would have to be last week, sitting in the Chicago airport for six hours trying to get back in time mm. <laughs> to relieve our nanny. So it's just, you know, that's, that's one day. Um, another day could be taking that interview and, and bringing it into edit, right? So that's kind of where my story will, will, will change a little bit. And it's, it's just, you know, scripting, writing, and then, you know, you stick it in edit and you figure out, okay, how are we best telling the story? How are we visually telling this story? And um, yeah, what else are we, are we doing about this piece to make it special? And we're getting it ready for air. So it really, for me, it's like, it's such a drawn out process. It's, you know, we have an ideas meeting at our groups at ESPN where we pitch ideas out and, hey, I found this great story and here's what we should be doing for it. Okay, next day, go shoot it. And then three days later, okay, let's script it and, and put it together. So it's hard to nail down a day in the life, but usually it, it starts, like Michelle said, it's just trying to wake up with my son, trying to get him in the bath at night is, is really my goal. And that's, as she said so well, is you can't stay an extra night in Los Angeles. You can't stay the extra night where we normally would in Miami. Like you need to get get in and get out so that you can, you know, be there for what's most important. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's a lot, but it, it's it's different every day for me. That's fantastic, but that's good. That gives a good kind of overview of, of what goes mm -hmm. on. And I, and I think what you both said and 
I know we talked about it, but I just think it's really important again to drive it home. You can't do every, you can't be everything to everybody all of the time. And mm-hmm. you know, prioritizing is important. And I saw someone on a panel say that sometimes you have to give 75% to one thing and 25% to another, and it changes all the time. Uh, so I, I'm just mm-hmm. really glad that you both talked a lot about that because I do think there's so much pressure on women in that way. Yeah. And, and yep. I just think it's important to understand that everybody's doing the best they can. Everybody is kind of struggling with something and everyone is just trying to make it work. And, you know, we have exactly. to be understanding and supportive of that. So I think that that's really important. Um, and we have to take that pressure off ourselves and it's okay to say no. I'm so glad you guys said that. I think that's just such good advice. It is okay to say Yeah, And it's hard. I don't know if I would have told you that really six months ago. I don't like, and that's, I, I'm so happy that I can say that now, you know, it just makes me feel better about the message that we can relay, you know, because, and then there's a the social media aspect of it too, right? Where it's like, oh, well, you know, I am, I have a kid and I'm, you know, traveling the world and blah, blah, blah. That's how it looks on social media. Like it's easy, but you're not seeing the rest of it. You know, <laughs> you're not seeing us crying because we're our flight's so delayed that we may not see our sons at night. Like, you know, you're not seeing that part of it. You're seeing the glamorous part, which again, goes back to, you know, just be a little more open-minded about things. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up too, because social media does create extra pressure for everybody. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And, and this, we all put our best stuff on social media. That's, that's for sure. And that's kind of what it's there for, right? But it's yeah. just, you can't really, you have to take it all with a grain of salt. A hundred percent. I think that's also great advice. Um, so we are going to move to five fun facts, except in your case, right. we're doing six Let's fun do facts. It. So there was something I wanted to talk about earlier that we didn't get to. You worked on Gruden's QB camp, which I think, I'm sure you have I did. a million stories about, <laughs> um, but I want to know your first fun fact is going to be, what would you say? And you can tell, tell really as many as you want. I was going to say maybe your favorite mm-hmm. anecdote, but you may have three favorite anecdotes you want to share. Mm-hmm. Ah, just there's, uh, yeah, I don't even whatever know whatever you think is best. This. Yeah. Or the I most mean, fun. I don't know. I'm sure it's really hard. Yeah, no, it is because he's such a, he's, I mean, I just, I just love him and I adore him and I'm so happy for, how well the Raiders are, are doing this season. Like that, that's just, you know, I, I know it was tougher than last season. So I'm just, I'm so happy because he's someone that you root for, because I guess my story is just how hard he works. Like he is as advertised. This is not a character. This is not, you know, him just living it up for the cameras. It It is who John Gruden is. Um, and that's what makes him so great. And I think one of the lessons I learned from him and also wanted to make myself better. I don't know if that makes sense, but Basically, we, I did Gruden QB camp for three years. And, you know, each morning before the quarterback would come into camp, we would have a film session with a uh, coach. And, you know, he would just go through. It was more for him to, you know, as, as you know, the show, like it's just, it's Coach Gruden sitting with a player going through film, going through his film um, for, I don't know, I probably, I don't know, it's three hours of film for each player. So he would just review it, you know, and this would be literally at five in the morning. Okay. So that's when, you know, he would arrive, go over film. And I said, you know what? Like, I want to, I want to be better. I want to learn. I want to learn football. I want to, this is the best place I can learn from. I want to talk film with Coach Gruden. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to show up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's these little trailers outside of Orlando. It's, you know, these facilities, it's dark. It's just, you know, he's flipping through the tape, flipping through the tape. It's, it's Gruden and a bunch of other, like, uh, of our production staff. And what I don't know if Coach realizes that, it was my job to put together the reel for each 
quarterback. Like if, if I was assigned, say, Deshaun Watson, right, I would have to put together three hours of Deshaun Watson's tape from Clemson um, that coach would eventually look at. So I don't know if he knew that, which isn't his fault at all. But I was like, look, this is my tape. I kind of want to watch the film with him and learn something from him. You know, I think I earned that right. So I just I sit down and he's like, oh, Tori, early. And I'm like, yeah, coach, I want to sit and watch film with you. He looks up the screen. He goes, okay, well, can you tell me what this formation is? And three receivers up on the right. And I know that's trips. So I said, it looks like that's trips formation, right, coach? And he just looked at me and he goes, well, shit, you're watching film every week now. And that was just like this breaking point for me, getting it. It's almost like getting into the cool kids club almost, you know, uh-huh. like it's, it's coach Luden and he was just like, it takes a lot to impress him. And I don't know if it was impressive. I just kind of dropped, you know, very simple knowledge, nothing he would ever, you know, go off, but it was, it meant a lot to me. And I think it meant a lot to him to show that, okay, like we're in this together and, you know, I'm not just a girl working on the show. I'm, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning and I'm trying to talk football, you know, and, and that I think went a long way for both of us. So that's probably that's, my favorite. That's awesome. That's a great story. That's a, that's a great Gruden story. So now he's, we he's go, the best. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying he's, he's great. So Oh, I'm glad. That's awesome. He's, you know, he seems great. And I also am, am happy to see the Raiders doing well because they've, they've been through a lot. So I'm um, oh happy gosh. to see yeah. them doing well. And you can tell he's a hard worker, but it's, I think it's great for people to know it's not a character. That's who he is. No, that's who he, it's who he is. And you know, it's what makes him successful. Like yeah, he's successful in everything that he does. And that's something when you see that you want to emulate. So I think that's why I wanted to show up and I wanted to do a good job for him and, you know, vice versa. Like he wants to do a good job for us. So anyway, yeah, I, like I said, I can go on and on about TB camp, but let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move, we'll move into the other five fun facts. You got your bonus six one. What is your favorite right. moment in sports? Um, it has to be when Rafael Nadal won Wimbledon for the first time over Roger Federer in 2008. It was, almost five hour legendary match nine seven in the fifth and I I just think seeing Rafa when he won match point laying on the ground like just crying out of exhaustion crying out of joy all of these emotions coming together on that like I can relate to it in the sense that no I never won Wimbledon but as an athlete wanting to and and that feeling of accomplishment when you did get to a level you never reached before and then just that feeling of being so happy to see someone complete that feat that seemed like it was never going to happen with Roger Federer right like it was just always going to be said mm-hmm. um but now Rafa finally is in that conversation of best player ever I think ever since he won that match and to me that is just a moment that you just get goosebumps watching every single time What is your life motto For me it's just it's simple and it's just be better. It's how can I be better? It's kind of a two part thing, right? Like, how can I be a better mom today? Okay, how can I be a better friend today? Okay, what am I doing with this piece or this article that I'm writing? What can I do to make it better? Um, it's small, but it is kind of in the back of my head to push myself a little bit, even if it's by <laughs> a simple gesture or even a couple words. How am I getting better? I think it's great. It's, a, it's an important one for sure. What is your go to workout? Has to be power yoga. Um, Working in sports media is super stressful. Um, it's really just the best thing for me, for my body, and mostly my mind. You go in there and you have to focus on yourself. And you know when you're trying to do other things, but work is always on your mind. Like you just can't get it out of your head. Like yoga forces you. Like you're about to fall over. Shoot, I need to focus. 
that <laughs> that is why it's like my time focus on me let's let's knock this out and then when I get out I can think about life again but it's yeah total total way to de-stress your go-to coffee order vanilla latte oat milk oh yum very good yeah. that oat milk delicious. is the best <laughs> And a book every woman should read. I really like uh, Amy Poehler's book called Yes, Please. Um, and I think it's because I can relate to it in a way. Um, you know, it talks a lot about her struggles to break into a male-dominated industry, um, especially the time where she did it as a female writer. Like, I can't imagine what that room must have looked like for her to, to walk into. To me, it reminds me a lot of the production meetings for NFL that I've been into where I look around and I'm like, cool, only girl again. All right, here we go. You know, like got to represent. Mm -hmm. so, um, it just, I like, I like memoirs and I like being able to relate to women in different industries that, you know, I can kind of understand where they're coming from and see how they did it. And obviously she's a phenomenal writer, phenomenal act, like comedy actress. So how did she do it? Okay, well, let's see what I can do. <laughs> Fantastic. I have actually not read that book and I would like to. So thank you for the reminder yeah, on that one. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today and for being able to stay a little bit longer uh, yeah. and talk a little bit more. Okay. I know that our listeners appreciate it and I appreciate it. And it was really fun to have both of you on. Uh, just, It's just great to see women supporting women in the same industry, working together as friends, as colleagues. So thank you for being here. Yeah, and thanks for having us. Like I said, I just, we love what you're doing. So anytime. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Well, we'll have you back then. <laughs> you can sit Great. There. Sounds great. Let me know. All right. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks, have a great week. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.